0: Well, I'm back from my first week of travel of five trips over a seven-week period. (laughs) Holy moly. For someone who had a story about hating travel, Mm -hmm. this is a lot. And this is a lot for anybody. Like five trips over a seven-week period. And I just looked as I was putting the show together. There's one weekend that is not scheduled, that I'm fully able to be home in those seven weeks. Every other weekend, I'm either gone or working or traveling back, or maybe only have one day at home. So I'm going to talk about creating space for work travel because remember, I used to be a human that had a story of, I hate travel. I hate travel. I don't want to go anywhere. And that's really not true and actually hasn't been. I really do love to travel. And also is maybe you're like a lot of my clients who do a lot of traveling for work. In you know, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, we didn't travel like the world got shut down. We were home quite a bit. And one of the things that I've noticed since last summer is people are out and about. So whether it's personal travel, work travel, like we are out and about after being shut down for a period of time. So my truth is that I do like travel. How I got to that was a few years ago, before we got the shutdown, was I really questioned that story of I hate travel. I had to ask myself, is it really true that I hate travel? And of course, my brain was like, yes, because it wanted an immediate answer. But when I really thought about it, The answer was no. I get rejuvenated from travel, whether it's work travel or personal travel. And sometimes it's being able to see people that I know, colleagues, sometimes being able to do the work that I do. I get to speak. I get to facilitate workshops. It's fun to go into those environments, right? I get to lead. It's fun to connect with humans and face to face. The other parts of travel that I like is sometimes it's warmer, right? Like I have an incentive in January to get out of Davis because Davis tends to be gloomier, it's more foggy days. And so getting out of Davis is really, really nice because it is so gloomy and going someplace where it's warmer or there's more sun. Or even back in December, I was in Minnesota I know snow and ice and me aren't something that I know and understand, but it was interesting to be in a different part of the world that I hadn't been to before, and then also to connect with clients was awesome as well. So sometimes it's warmer, sometimes it's colder, and it's learning about how to take care of myself in that cold weather. Sometimes it's the sun. Sometimes it's about connecting with myself or with others. One of the things that I really love about travel, again, in work travel, is I love the ability to have space with myself, right? Whether it's because I'm walking and I'm exploring and I'm seeing new sights, or I have the space to think or because I'm out of my routine, there's some time in there. There's also the connecting with others when I'm traveling as well. When I got down to why I thought I hated travel... <laughs> back then was I didn't have space in my life to accommodate the travel. That's what I didn't like about traveling. So I didn't have the space. And I really, what it came down to is I had unrealistic expectations of myself. Does that sound familiar? A lot of my clients suffer from this, especially when they're high performers, high achievers, and really overachievers who think if they can just overachieve this, they'll finally arrive and they can relax. (laughs) But so I had unrealistic expectations of myself. The amount of prep that I needed to do to get out the door was overwhelming. A lot of heavy lifting. There was, I mean, depending on what phase, what chapter of my life, when my kids were little and I was traveling, there was the organizing of their schedules, coordinating childcare, right? And in some ways I had it pretty good because I also had a husband who was a partner who did most of the cooking, you know, and enjoyed being an active parent. He doing drop-offs, pickups from school, working in their preschools, working in their schools. That was things that he did and he cooked. So it wasn't like preparing meals. Actually, when he would travel back then, he would prepare the meals ahead of time for me and the kids when we were left behind. So he had his own invisible labor to do. Right. But I also still had a lot of invisible labor, for the functioning of our home for the functioning of our family and even with a partner and that's something to really look at remember that unrealistic expectations take an inventory of your life and take a look around of what are the things that you do so that you can get out the door to go on these work trips everybody's situation is unique right and it, there's not a right or wrong or somebody's better than or you know you're more privileged because maybe you don't have that like I'm in a very different situation now because I'm an empty nester. I can't up and leave. And that wasn't something I could do for a really long time. So there's no need to judge, but take an inventory of your life and what needs to happen in order for you to leave. That was on the home front. And then the other side is, is that, you know, yes, I'm a leadership coach and I have this business and I do podcasts, right? And I speak and I do workshops and I do trainings. And then I had this whole evening thing with the Aqua Monsters where I was also on the deck coaching, right? That's not something that I do anymore, but I was on the deck coaching. I was leading the organization. So people had instant access to me all the time via email, right? I had staff who needed me to lead on a day-to-day basis. So, Not being at practice, being away meant coordinating coverage and possibly writing workouts and then handling stuff when I was gone because I didn't have a system built in who could take care of that if I were away. I thought I needed to take care of that. One of the things I learned is oh, who else can do this while I'm away? And those are skill sets that I learned and practiced over time. It wasn't me sloughing off work, it's being realistic about what is my true capacity. So, I had to become aware of all the invisible labor I was doing, as well as the invisible systems in place that I would automatically take care of. Now, here's the thing is some of these were systems I built and some of these were systems that society built about, oh, this is what a mom does. She's supposed to organize childcare versus, and there were systems that my husband did the dinners. We went against what society says, right? But there were still areas that I took on as my responsibility. And sometimes it's because I was like, no, I want to make sure I have it my way, right? But never checking in with what is my true capacity. And then some of these systems were part of the family structure based on beliefs as well as cultural programming. (laughs) I kid you not, this is probably like, it was 2004. So this is almost 20 years ago. I was down in Pasadena With my college team, and we're at the state championships, and I was driving down the road, and my family calls me to ask me if they know where someone's hat is. (laughs) That is what I'm talking about—a family structure where the mom is still responsible for where the kids' things are, that you know, the spouses' things are, even though they're on the other side of the state. California is a big state, right? Like, I was many, many hours away. I'd been many days into it. But that's part of our cultural programming is the female is responsible for all these things in the household. And I accepted it. Now, (laughs) now that I've had to reteach people of what I'm willing to be responsible for, what I'm not. So what I had to do over the last, I mean, that's 2005. So what, 18 years is I started building systems that supported me, right? One was an exit before I leave on travel. What do I need to do? So I've shared with you all here on the show is like, I learned a long time ago back in I think 2009 of tapering for vacation because I would, you know, totally ramp things up and get all this stuff done. And I had unrealistic expectations. And so all the stuff would need to get done and I would be exhausted. And then on vacation, I would wind up sleeping so much of my vacation and not doing the things that I wanted from that vacation, whether it was connecting with friends, seeing sights, going on hikes, whatever it may have been. So learning how to taper for vacation, same thing with work travel, right? You may at times need to do an early morning flight. Like I did have an early morning flight last week and that was something that I needed to schedule. And part of it was based about work so that I could get to someplace and I didn't want to fly out the night before. And so that is part of it, right? Like making sure I can get some sleep and maybe not the night before, because maybe you're really worried about, will you miss your alarm clock to get up? So what are the things that you can do a few days before, right? In developing that system, not cramming. Sometimes people like to pack ahead of time. What I did last week was I got a lot of my packing done earlier. It was kind of actually nice. And I even tried to come in and record this podcast then, my brain was dead. Like I tried a couple of times. It was fried. I had to, I had not finally go, Corinne, it's not happening. It's not happening and that's okay. And the beauty is, is I have enough space built in to my schedule where I'm recording these ahead of time because I have so much travel coming up and I've practiced the skill set over time. I do a lot of these podcasts where I batch them. And so I was getting ahead and that's something that can happen is like, Ooh, I can do that gold star. I can really get further ahead, but there was nothing left. Yes, there was time for me to do it. And yes, I tried. There was nothing energy wise to do it and saying like, it's okay, Corinne, you can get this done later. I had the space in my schedule. So tapering, you know, really resting, not cramming before you leave, learning how much downtime you need. Those are important things. Sleeping is also really important. So that's on the exit. Like, what do you need to get out the door? And then, the other part is creating the space for reentry, having downtime upon reentry. So today I'm recording the show. It's a Sunday. Now, here's the thing: I don't typically work on Sundays. Now, I will when I'm have a swim meet or there's a work event. Like I have an upcoming retreat where I have clients coming in from around the world, and then I'm going to be hosting it. We go through Sunday. Like I have that already scheduled out next week and I'm going to be traveling back on a Sunday right so I know that there's some days that there are work days that are scheduled in today was actually blocked off as just a rest day from everything else but when I looked at tomorrow's day and I had scheduled recording of podcast in there and there's other stuff that I need to do I realized hey if I take off and get do some of this now It will help give me space for tomorrow and whatever else when the world wakes up on Monday morning, whatever else comes through my door. Right. And so I'm being a bit proactive now in order to get to the space because, you know, I woke up pretty beat up after traveling, being gone for, you know, a period of time, a lot of people's energies. Right. But this morning I woke up and I took care of myself. And how I took care of myself is that, I got up, my neck was all jacked up, you know, my hips were all out of place. And I did my favorites, the melt method. I love that foam roller. And I did a couple of melt methods just to really like get my body in alignment. And I gave myself that space. It was like an hour and hour and 20 minutes, I think I did of those two programs just to get everything kind of moving and I felt better. And then I ate breakfast. I had coffee, fueled myself. And then I was like, oh, there's that productive part of me going, I need to get in and I need to get these shows recorded. And there's part of me like, there's nothing. It's still pretty empty. Like I feel pretty good, but there's nothing. And so I said, I need to go outside. I need to connect with nature. I need to feel the sun. Of course I'm wearing sunblock, but feel the sun. And I went out and, you know, I walked across the street and was able to walk in the agricultural fields of Davis and see the sunshine and see nature and and be out there, and listen to music, and filled myself up, and I could just feel it. It was like the more and more I gave to myself, the more and more, and it was like I started feeling it, and then my brain starts to just go, here's what I want to talk about, here's what I want to write about, here's what I want to do, like all this creative stuff. So I keep stopping, and I jot down some notes in my Evernote, and I keep walking, taking care of me so I can take care of you. Right. So that's what I've learned how to do. And this is how it works in these imperfect lives that we live. Right. Sundays tend to be my rest days. And I've known that I've been practicing this for a number of years now. It's a really important rest day, unless I have some other work scheduled. And usually that other work scheduled is when there's a deliverable with somebody in front of me. Again, a swim meet, working with, you know, doing a workshop, speaking, facilitating a retreat, like something that's in person creative work like this doesn't usually happen on a Sunday. I used to work seven days a week, but I had to learn how to stop doing that, right? Letting go of that and realizing I could have better quality of work if I did that. So that was a long ago practice that I stopped. I'm not working seven days a week right now in terms of that, but it's that Venn diagram that I talk about. Like with all that I have going on over these seven weeks, how do I take care of myself? Right. And also honor the commitments. Mm. This is what it likes. Everybody talks about like life balance, or we talk about things, but we forget the context of like, oh, I need to take care of myself. Absolutely. But it's not a zero sum game. You take care of yourself and then screw your work commitments. Right. It's about how do we do this in this world of work? Right. And what are some unusual times? Five trips over seven weeks is very, very unusual right? And some of it was things that I chose and some of it was the way the schedule landed and that's okay, right? I'm going to be really deliberate about some other months upcoming from there because there's going to be a lot of energy output and I need to be really deliberate in these seven weeks and making sure I do energy input. And that was what happened this morning because ideally... (laughs) I'm getting into the weeds, but I know that's so helpful to hear, like how it's structured, so then you can look at that and go, "Okay, how can you apply this into your life?" Right? I had kind of planned out some magical thing. I was like, "Oh, I'll get into my office at 9 a.m., you know, bust out these podcasts and be done by noon." Well, I wasn't moving that quickly this morning, right? And so, yes, I didn't get into my office until probably 11, and that's okay, because I'm going to shift some stuff. Instead of that magical thinking, those unrealistic expectations, which I'm always coming up against, because that's the way my brain works. I'm a high achiever. I like to perform at a high level, (laughs) right? But those unrealistic expectations can also be a real big burden. So really tapping in and being aligned with being a high achiever and a high performer, as well as doing the work that I want to do and the quality that I want it to be. And I had to take care of myself so that I could do the energy output. So creating the space for re-entry is really important. Having downtime. I had that this morning, right? I will continue to have downtime. So I'm constantly, when I make decisions about how I want it, what I want to do, I really think about that downtime. What is the capacity? I had a friend reach out to me yesterday and we had been trying to schedule some time to like walk and have coffee and she wanted to do it tomorrow. And I said, let me get back to you. I'm in the middle of traveling. Let me get back to you. And I've, I don't have the space during you know, work hours, but I also don't think I'm going to have the space tomorrow night, not with the upcoming travel. And I was going to say next Sunday, but then I realized next Sunday morning, I'm going to be on a plane. So I don't know how that's going to work. So I may need to plant, you know, move that to that weekend I'm home for the weekend because we can do something like that. And that will be a really filling thing, but to do it and have that immediacy for tomorrow, I, I would really tap myself out too much. So, learning my own energy management at this stage of my life without judging myself, right? My 20 year old self would be like, I should just do it all, be there, do it all. <laughs> I need downtime. <laughs> I need downtime. And I realize I've learned that I can have better performance if I have downtime. My 20-year-old self may have benefited from having downtime, especially in the performance in the pool or the performance in the classroom. But I was believing a lot of the cultural programming of, you could do it all. No. So creating space for downtime is really important. Like I said, I have that one weekend home with nothing scheduled, no work, no travel. And I'm going to be very deliberate about that space to take care of me so I can continue to honor my responsibilities and commitments. I have people, whether it's my clients that I work with or the aqua monsters that I lead or my family or friends, I have responsibilities that I have agreed to and it's important for me to show up for that for those people and the only way to do that is by taking care of me so that I have something to give. So here's the thing. The truth is I really love to travel. Now, I don't like planes or the hassle of travel (laughs) and I really don't like packing because I'm a horrible packer. And I know that's a story, but it's really a truth. Like I'm just owning that story and loving myself. Like I'm not a good packer, (laughs) right? And I also know that not liking planes, the hassle of travel and being a horrible packer, those can be all skill sets to learn and improvements can be made, right? So like one of the skill sets that I learned on this last trip was I did my first carry on on this last trip. And it's not my first, but it's been a long time since I've done a carry on. Because I'm a fan of actually checking my luggage, but the airport that I flew into, I've had a couple of times where I learned that it takes a really long time to get your luggage and it didn't have a whole lot of space and I was doing client work and that just added a bit of extra stress that I didn't want to have. So this time I wanted to carry on my luggage because I have an upcoming trip back to that airport next month and I wanted to practice with it when there's going to be more time pressure than there was this time. So I decided to do it, right? doesn't mean I'm a carry-on convert because I do like checking my bag and having that space and then being able to have more choices worth where I sit. And I got better at my packing. There's still more room to improve. (laughs) I still packed more than I needed. It was like, oh, note to self, Corinne. (laughs) There's a lot of, oh, just in case. I did run out of socks though. That's the first time that's ever happened. And I also learned that the things that I thought I needed to take, that I must take that were really bulky, that wouldn't fit in to carry on like my Dyson hairdryer, weren't necessary for a short trip, right? There were good key learnings. The more that I can go back to having key learnings instead of I did it right or wrong, which is a fixed mindset, a growth mindset is what can I learn from this? right? And so that's what I'm working on with the carry on and with the learnings, right? Planes and the hassle of travel. And I was dealing with time zones. And I thought for a moment, I panicked because I thought I miscalculated, but it all worked out and then the flight was delayed. And so actually we were at the airport with plenty of time. So here's why I love travel. It wakes up my senses. Again, whether this is work or for personal, it wakes up my senses, I get more present with my environment. You have to pay attention, right? Maybe you're figuring out the roads, trying to figure out where to eat because you don't have your go-to standard restaurants, right? It wakes up our senses. It helps us become more present. I was recently in this place where there's red mountains and there was a snowstorm the night before I came in. So there's snow on the top of the mountains and then red on the side. It was beautiful. Every time I look up, I, my breath would go, <sighs> it would take my breath away to see this stunning land, right? Very different than what I experienced this morning. And guess what? When I came back this morning and I looked at the fields, I took some pictures because I was so like appreciative of being home and being back in the agricultural lands of Davis, right? And seeing the Sierras with the snow on it and having the sunshine and seeing these old trees and seeing the, the farmland, right? All of that But it was the contrast of being able to see those mountains and be in that cold and come back to Davis and my cold. I remember I'm gonna have a little side story when I would go to nationals in college and it was always in March. It was like the second week of March. And we'd go to some place and it was always in the Midwest. Like I went to Wisconsin and then I went to Ohio twice as a swimmer, and then I went to Ohio again as a coach. I think that was my last time as going to Nationals for Division Two. And I would come back and we would land and I'd look out the window because back then I liked window seats. We'd land in Sacramento airport and I would be like, oh, I missed spring, the blossoming of spring. Look, it's all beautiful. And what I've learned since then is because I've spent a lot of marches in Davis, California, and I didn't even notice it, but it was the contrast of going into these snowy areas and then coming back and seeing the green, seeing the bloom, seeing the flowers, I paid attention. It helped awaken my senses. So the travel, not only does it awaken my senses when I'm away, but the reentry on travel, awakening my senses, being more present. and then I talked earlier about you know stepping out of my comfort zone with my go-to restaurants. Like I always laugh and joke that basically most of what I eat in town is on Third Street in Davis, California, right? but going out to restaurants and willing to experiment. Like I ate Greek food. Again, it wasn't going to be my choice, but the group I was with, that's where they're going. I talked to them and said, what did you like? And the different people, I got mine and it was pretty good. I would not have gone there, wouldn't have gone because it would have been outside of my comfort zone, but I did it, right? Being willing to step out of your daily routines. So there's lots of learning opportunities. There's also the ability to connect with myself one of the things that is one of my standard practices when I travel is I like to walk. I like to walk and get a lay of the land and learn. And, and that's one way I like to move versus working out just in the hotel gym. And so I get to connect with myself. The other thing is, is being able to connect with others. So sometimes if I'm traveling for work or for meets or whatever, there may be people that I'm going to get to connect or get to know and being able to connect with others. Now that shy little eight-year-old Corinne would have been mortified thinking, oh my gosh, you're going to go somewhere and not know people. But again, I've learned skill sets of how to connect with people. And I go in as a compassionate observer and focusing on connection. And I don't need to armor myself with judgment or to hide away. I get to connect and then, okay, check in with myself. What do I need? Again, it's this learning, learning, being compassionate with myself, being compassionate with others, hearing other people's stories. like. Well, of course, I love that, right? I'm a collector of people's stories. I love to hear about people's stories. I love to learn about human behavior. I love to watch human behavior. So I'm constantly in the space. It could also be trying new things. Like this past week, I tried pickleball. I'll talk about that in another episode. Now, the other thing that's really important is also keeping the routines the same as well to help keep stay grounded, right? So sleep routines, making sure sleep I used to think that those were things that I could take shortcuts of. It's like, no, no, I really wanna spend time and get to know these people and I would sacrifice on the sleep. There's a huge cost and I could keep it together usually for the event, but the cost was either to myself or my family, those that I love. So I'm more diligent about sleep routines, morning routines, being really deliberate about the morning routines. So the thing I've learned about myself is before I go to bed, knowing what my plan is, Again, while I was traveling, I had work, I had clients, you know, I had time differences. So like, what was it that I needed so that I could then support my clients in the work that we were going to do? Food, coffee, coffee's like always my go-to, right? It's so much part of me making sure. And then what kind of coffee? Cause I don't typically drink hotel coffee. So making sure I had the time to get myself ready and go get what I needed so that I could sit down and be of service to the people i'm responsible for making sure i have downtime and what does that look like maybe it's reading unfortunately i spent a little bit too much time on instagram and that wasn't as fulfilling but you know the more i can get into reading or just space to think right that can be really beautiful for me i incorporated some walking and that was awesome you know keeping things simple is also really important so i have a a lot of clients, as I said earlier, who travel a lot and they travel and they try to carry their same workload while they're traveling. Like, oh, I'm going to be in two places. I'm going to be on one side of the coast and the other, and I'm going to do all this work. That's not realistic. One of the things that I work on with clients is learning how to create space and know what's the best use of their energy and brain juice so that they know for work what they can work on and allowing them to do their work at high performance levels that's expected of them. So everybody knows that I'm I'm so, so excited because Formula One, Drive to Survive is coming back to Netflix. And for season five, I'm all in. I love it. Anyway, so I went down this past fall down a rabbit hole because it's like once I'm really into something, I'm like, I just want to learn more and more about it. And I get fascinated by humans and human behavior. So I started listening to a lot of podcasts and interviews about Toto, who's the Mercedes principal. And one of the things that I remembered he said was because he travels a lot, he travels like 10 months out of the year for work. I mean, that's part of just the racing series, but because he travels a lot and then he has a lot of responsibilities, right? The team of Mercedes is like 2000 people. There's, he has all these different drivers. He has his formula one drivers, but there's all these other aspects. One of the things he does in keeping things consistent and having routines is when he travels in. Now, please, my invitation is, this is the window of possibility. This may not be your possibility. It's not my possibility. But what could you do with this inspirational idea to w- make it work within the parameters of your life, right? So one of the things he does is that everywhere he goes, he tries to have the same driver. Again, I get it. He's uber rich and the rest of us, you know, are not at that level. That's okay. But that's one thing things he does. He eats the same food. I am totally on board with that. I like to keep it consistent until I get bored. And then I switch to something else because it requires less brain juice. He stays at the same hotels in these different locations. And these are things that I learned as an athlete is, you know, one of the misconceptions of athletes is, oh, you get to travel the world and you get to see so much. Like, remember I said, oh, I went to Ohio, North Dakota, Wisconsin. There were things to see. But when I remember going, while there were opportunities you know, some people might want to go and tour. I knew that my energy and focus needed to be about how was I going to perform. And so I didn't go and do those distractions. I stayed at the hotel. I rested. You know, we had an NC2A dinner on Tuesday night before the meet started. That was something I went to, but having that downtime just to fluster around or, you know, fuddle around was so, so important to do. And I didn't realize that those are skill sets that I was developing. And actually I abandoned them for a period of my life in my twenties and thirties, because I thought, no, I just have to work hard 24 seven, which is a bunch of baloney. So that was what Toto does. Same driver, same food, same hotel, right? Because we think, oh, they're traveling to these places. They're going to go and explore. A lot of times capacity needs to be focused on that high performance. And when you go through your things, what is your capacity you're going to learn i worked with a client this week who had just come back from a trip before going to the trip worked on okay this is what my client thought was their capacity coming back there was great key learnings the things that my client was willing to do it was actually going to take up too much energy and so there's learning and learning and learning there's fine tuning we're not finalizing we're not you know saying no this is the only way you're going to learn So when I coach, like when I do team travel with the college teams, with the Aqua Monsters, and I got this pretty darn refined. When we travel, typically it's the same hotel because then we know what our routine is. And then, you know, of course, over the years, the hotels change or they're not available. And so you wind up having to shift. We used to go down to ASU in December. We'd stay at this one property and then one year because of like the baseball, you know, preseason, the hotel was like triple the rate. And so one of our parents found this another hotel to go to and we did that. And we had to shift things and we had to shift our food until the next year we can get back to that hotel. We went back into those practices, but we stayed at the same hotel. We ate at the same restaurants and this would drive my parents crazy because they wanted. They're like, no, we're, we're about an experience. And I'm like, no, we need to get the kids to bed, to rest because it's about performing, right? So figure out what is the intention of the reason that you're there and what do you need to support it? Does it mean that you want to, you have the capacity or need to spend the brain juice on food? Maybe it works for you in a team environment, having the same restaurant to go to each night, especially to try to do a quick turnaround, was important. And the kids started to learn like, okay, they needed to tell me their dinner order for breakfast. And the parents thought I was crazy, you know, and now it's so funny because my kids in college and that now after COVID, what has happened a lot of these college teams, you're ordering the food ahead of time. And then the food is delivered because that's the beauty. That was one of the perks about COVID is now we have all this food that gets delivered and it simplifies. I remember being an athlete, and going to a restaurant where we had reservations and sitting there for an hour trying to get, you know, 30 people fed and being so hungry and so ornery because I just wanted to eat and I just wanted to sleep. So that is part of how we've advanced and how we take care of athletes, right? We can do the same for ourselves. You can be an executive, you can be a leader, right? You can be an employee that's traveling a lot. How do you take care of yourself? What are the simple things that you can do? So the question to ask yourself is what are the systems you need to support you for travel so you can do your work at the high levels you expect of yourself and not burn out by blowing up, right? And what that looks like, you either lose your shit on an employee or a colleague, right? And lose a deal or you come home and after keeping it all together, you lose your shit at home and the cost there. Right so what are the systems you need to support you for your travel so you can do work at the high levels that you expect of yourself that your company your clients the people you work with expect from you there's nothing wrong with needing support needing systems you can build them like i said when i was a, an athlete i knew that i need my focus needed to be about resting we traveled on monday and then on Tuesday, it was kind of like being able to wake up, we go swim, come back. There's this whole day of like shaving down your body, you know, and even if you're not a hairy person, it still takes a lot of time and, and giving myself that space. And I totally forgot about that wisdom and then going to the NC2A dinner, right. And seeing who all the people were there and, you know, that was fun, but being able to have that space so that I can also perform at the high level versus I must be totally, if I'm, if I'm worthy, it's because I'm totally got this packed, busy schedule 24 seven. We are not machines. So I get it. For some, travel for work is a must. So creating space for your work travel so that you can do your work at a high level, as well as have a personal life that you are not depleted and can enjoy is key. And it's about figuring out what support you need. It's building systems and requires a lot of learning. Now, here's the thing. This is best done from a compassionate mindset versus a perfectionistic mindset that is absolute and final. I do a lot of this work with my clients, right? They're high achievers. They'll just beat themselves down and be like, I'm just an idiot. I can't believe I didn't do this. It's like, hold on. (laughs) A lot of cultural programming that we've got to overcome. What works for you? What are the key learnings? and being able to adjust and adapt over time especially as your circumstances change again i'm an empty nester now my life is very different than it was you know 5 years ago 10 20 years ago so what is it i need now you know 10 20 years ago i didn't need to foam roll my body after a week of travel and i didn't even know about it right i would have gotten up and done something really hardcore with my body but this is what i needed now so i get it We often go all in on work and our personal lives and families and friends take a huge loss. And here's the thing, my friend, it doesn't have to be this way. We can have space for both the meaningful work we do, as well as having a meaningful life outside of work. It's not one or the other. And they're not a binary choice. It's about having both. And in order to have both, it's about answering this question. What are the systems you need to support you for your travel so you can do work at the high levels you expect of yourself and not burn out or burn things down by blowing things up? Remember, it's one step at a time. You don't have to have the whole plan. You just take the next step. I'm smiling big for you. Hey, was an awesome lesson for her to incorporate into her life. Go to the show notes and there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and get these emails in your box.